Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. We're going to receive an amazing uh, message from Pastor Roger uh, on, the, on the Holy Spirit, but he just asked me to share uh, a quick testimony, and I do so with great delight. I, um, I had an opportunity recently, uh, I had a meeting uh, uh, with a guy, and um, in, the, in the lead up to the meeting, we're exchanging emails, and um, he, he realized that uh, I am a pastor. And uh, he, he, um, in, in that uh, interaction here, as people normally do when they realize I'm a pastor, decided to confess his sins. Uh, <laughs> no, he, uh, um, it does happen, but, but, but I joke. Um, it, what, what he, but he, he, he did feel the need to, to kind of disclose to me that he's a, a homosexual. Um, and is that going to be a problem in us uh, in, engaging together? Uh, which it wasn't, and I, and I assured him. And uh, we we um we got together. Uh, we we uh we had a meeting, and, and um, oftentimes when in fact sometimes I try for people not to find out that I'm a pastor because it changes people's behavior and they start to be weird. Uh, and uh, I was I, I was in a hurry and I was trying to get out of this meeting as quickly um, as possible. And it so happened that we needed to get in the same car together. His partner. Um, gets in the same car with us, and while we're driving, uh, we, we, we chat, and they start telling me about um, his mom, and he's, he's got some issues with his teeth, and his partner's got issues with, with pain in the back, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I offered to pray for them. Uh, it wasn't a, a you know, dramatic moment. It was a quick uh, prayer. It was in the car. Um, it, it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, I'm going to find the perfect moment and, um, and, and the Lord is going to come and he's going to stand with us and we're going to hold hands and we're going to pray. It was a prayer, uh, bless them, uh, wish them all the best and, and, um, and left. We got an opportunity to meet up uh, some, some weeks later. And the first thing they tell me uh, when, when, uh, when we meet up again, Pastor, your prayers are powerful. Look, I can, and he starts moving around. He shows me you know, his back is healed. Um, the other guy is, I forget what it was, a headache or teeth or something that was a prolonged thing, is healed, prayed for his, uh, for his mom who had, been, uh, who had had some chronic issues. She was on the mend, and they were very, very excited. Um, two, two things uh, that, that, uh, that I walked away with. Um, one, uh, I realized that, you know, we, we have opportunity to really be uh, the, the, the hands and the feet of Jesus, and to be Jesus to people. That's right. And, and, and what that means is that th- this guy had, he had anticipated that I would treat him in a certain way uh, uh, because of what he disclosed to me. And when he realized that I was, beha- I was behaving with love towards him, that I wasn't coming with judgment, but I, 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 was, ho- I was wanting to bless him, I was wanting to love him. Um, we, we did engage a little bit, and I wasn't condoning his lifestyle, but I was loving him. It's great. Wanting him to walk in freedom in all ways. Um, that that blessed him. That, that opened up an avenue for us to have an engagement. It's great tricks. The second thing um, was that there's no perfect time. Um, when, when we're engaging or sowing seeds of the gospel or seeking to pray for people, we don't need to wait for the perfect moment to present itself when it's just me and that one person and they, they can't run anywhere. Uh, offering to pray for somebody uh, in you know, eyes open, praying. The guy was driving, so definitely I didn't want his eyes uh, closed. Uh, God can do what he needs to do. And so we just need to take advantage of those opportunities and uh, allow 
um, and, and walk through those and use those opportunities to sow seeds of the gospel. So good. Amen. So good. More, Lord. Do that again, Lord. You know, when we hear testimonies and we say amen and we celebrate, what we're saying is, Lord, why don't you do it again? Lord, why don't you do it again? Why don't you do it in my life? Why don't you do it for the people around me? Why don't you do it for the, my neighbors? Why don't you do it for those people that I'm working with? We're in a sermon series called Breathe, and it's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the advantage. It's about the power. It's about what we can access in the person of the Holy Spirit, the triune God, but the person of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, our teacher. And I want to ask you a question. Who was your best primary school, nursery school, high school teacher? What was their name? Just think about them. What did you love about that teacher? Just think about it for a second. What was, what was exceptional? What was wonderful about that teacher? And then I want you to think about your stance, how you approached that teacher. When you came into the classroom, when you saw the teacher, what was the, what was the faith, if you like? What was the expectation? What was the receptivity? What were you expecting to receive when you met that teacher? We've got a teacher that's far greater than the greatest school teacher. We have got the Holy Spirit as our teacher. And we need to come with an expectancy because as we do, he ministers to us for every aspect of our lives and causes us to be strong and mighty and exceptional and he empowers us for whatever we face. The greatest teacher that I had was my sensei, my judo instructor. Um, a local judo club moved into our area. They established a branch, moved from Senderwood to Bedford View, Bedford View Primary. And um, I don't know if any of you saw Karate Kid. Do you remember Karate Kid? Okay. This was my Mr. Miyagi, all right? And he was so cool. And he taught us from scratch. It was a brand new judo club. He taught us how to roll and how to fall and how to strangle people and put arm locks. Okay, that sounds terrible. But it was fun. It was lots of fun. <laughs> And uh, it was girls and guys, and he, and he instructed us and, and gave us confidence. And eventually, we just, I mean, we'd give up our weekends. We'd do judo camps for weekends. We'd, do, we'd spend our school holidays. We'd go for camps for a week to do judo. And he was just an outstanding teacher. But what was of utmost importance was our stance towards him. We were willing to receive his instruction. Are you willing tonight to receive the Holy Spirit? is the greatest teacher, the teacher of all teachers. Now Jesus, on the last night, he's imparting to his disciples, and he says to them, but the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He will be this great teacher, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That word parakletos is uh, translated, in, you can read it in scripture, as standby, as advocate, as helper, different translations. He's referring to the Holy Spirit there. And Gordon Dalby, in his book, Healing the Masculine Soul, he explains how in ancient Greece, when young men would be recruited into Sparta or the Athenian army or the Macedonian army, they would be paired up. And you would, be, you would get a battle partner. And that partner, you'd be taught to fight together. You'd be taught to watch over one another you'd be instructed in how to fight as a, as a pair. And the word that was used for that battle partner 
you guessed it, was parakletos. So the Holy Spirit is meant to be your battle partner. Obviously, he's the senior partner, and we are the junior partner. And he's the one who teaches us the ropes, and he's the one who leads us and has got our back. And that word teach is didasco. We get didactics from it. And it is more than what we understand in terms of teaching, like maybe in the Western sense. You know, you just go to university, zone out, check out, take notes if you want to. It was far more of imparting and instilling and instructing. It was more like discipleship. So the question is, what does the Holy Spirit want to instruct us in? What does he want to disciple us in? What does he want to teach us in? And, and I want to go through what I believe are five key parts or key impartations that the Holy Spirit has for us. That without which the church is just not what it's meant to be. But before we go there, what's fascinating in the apocalypse, in the revelation of Jesus Christ to John, the Holy Spirit is described as the seven spirits which are before the throne. And it's, the Holy Spirit is described as seven torches that are flaming. And the seven spirits of God. Now there's no doubt, study scripture, that there's a, there's a personality and a unity in the Holy Spirit. It's not as if the Holy Spirit has got a schism in his personality. Even in Revelations, it says the Spirit, the Spirit, and the bride say come. So what does it mean, the seven spirits? I believe it's talking about that the Holy Spirit is boundless. The Holy Spirit is endless in, in his operation. The Holy Spirit is manifold. The areas that the Holy Spirit moves in and touches is beyond our comprehension. He's wonderful. And seven speaks of perfection. Seven speaks of completeness. So, in the Holy Spirit, and these are descriptors of the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of wisdom. He's a spirit of truth. He's a spirit of holiness. And these are things that he wants to impart to us. He's a spirit of liberty and the spirit of self-control and the spirit of a sound mind and the spirit of love. The Holy Spirit comes and gives us a spirit of counsel. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to do it. You pressed against the wall. He's a spirit of counsel and might. He's a spirit of power. He's a spirit of intercession or grace and supplication. And he's a spirit of life. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Would you come with a stance of humility to say, Holy Spirit, won't you take me on this journey that I might hear you better, that I might receive your instruction better, that I might be changed and transformed through your training, through your teaching. Now, the first, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does, the first thing that he teaches us is he teaches us our need for God. He teaches us that there's this God-shaped vacuum and yes, God wants to tell us that he loves us and we are made in his image and we're awesome. But in John 16 verse 8, Jesus says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit will convict us. He will convict us that there are things in our life that are not the way they should be. Now, you might think that's a bad thing, but it's actually a wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit will put his finger on things in our lives and say to us, my boy, my girl, my son, my daughter, where you are is not in the fullness and there's more for you. Now, I love running and I love sharing the gospel when I run and I love running faster and then I tend to get injured and then I end up at the physio and then I share the gospel with the physio. But when I get to the physio, there's this moment of, does that hurt? No, 
Does that hurt? No. Does that hurt? Yes. And then the physio focuses on that tender spot. Then the physio focuses on that area of bruisedness or brokenness. Why? Not because she's a, mas- she's a sadist, not because she wants to hurt me, not because she wants to punish me, but she wants to bring healing to me. Will we have a heart that receives the Holy Spirit's conviction? You know, there are churches that work against this working of the Holy Spirit. They underplay sin and our desperate need for the Holy Spirit to convict us. And in doing so, you know what they actually do? They underplay the work of the cross, what Jesus did. Because, hey, if there's not sin, there's not really a need for Jesus to come and to pay the sacrifice on the cross. And the outcome is Christians who aren't full of gratitude. The outcome is Christians who aren't, Lord, I thank you. You have saved me. You have forgiven me. You have come in. So I don't like it sometimes when Nicola or people tell me I've done something wrong. And maybe you don't like it either. But will we have the humility to receive the teaching of the Holy Spirit when he tells us, you're a sinner, but I love you. Or there's something in your life that, that is holding you back. So you might be here today and you're far from God, or maybe you're a Christian, and there's just this part of your heart, there's this room in your house, there's this part of your life that is unsurrendered to God. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to, con- to speak to you, to convict you? Well, the second thing that he does is he teaches us how to come to God. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father unless who sent, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. There's a drawing by the Father to Jesus. And how does he do it? He does it by the Holy Spirit. So we can't just come to God when we want to. We come as the Holy Spirit draws us. But this is the wonderful thing. He teaches us how. Religion says you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do all these things. Our relationship with God, Christianity says, Tetleste, done. Jesus has done it. And as we hear the message of the gospel, as we hear that it's by grace through faith, and it's not that we have to you know, have multiple reincarnations or whatever, hard work, as we hear the message, you just, it resonates in our soul. It's like that deja vu moment. You know it to be true. How do you know it? You know it by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows us the path. You hear the gospel, and the Holy Spirit confirms it, and you say, this is true. Have you ever got lost, badly lost? I've got lost in the mountains. Have you ever got lost in Joburg? Have you you ever got lost anywhere? All right. So we were in Eswatini, Swaziland, lost in the mountains. The clouds were covering. It was midnight. We hiking, actually racing. And um, so we we can't navigate by compass, and we were in... Mountains full of magnetite, so our compasses were messed. So we had no idea whether we were going north, south, east, or west. So like great men, we just sat down and cried. No, we didn't cry, but we just sat down. We just sat down. I was like, what can we do here, you know? And along saunters this, this local guide. We say, hey, we're looking for the hydro station. Can you show us? He goes, I'll show you where it is. I mean, we gave him as much food and stuff that he could carry. But the Holy Spirit wants to take you out of this place of, I don't know which way to go. And he wants to show you the way. That's by grace, through faith. He wants to put a resonance in you. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. 
our hearts should resonate as we hear the gospel. And we should know in our deepest part that this is true. That should be the response. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit seals us and he puts upon us the spirit of adoption. Romans 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. And this includes ladies and we the bride of Christ as men. So, but it includes everybody. It's spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now this was mind-blowing in those days that we could call God Daddy, that we could call him Abba, Father. And how do we do it? We do it by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of adoption, that we know that we are His. There's a seal of the Spirit. So there should be a certainty. You should have a certainty that you are His. And if you're not certain, then please come speak to us and we can help you and pray for you. But that Spirit of adoption should be on you. It's like a tattoo. Nick and I went to Belito last year and I'm sitting with binoculars trying to find dolphins. And next thing I see this guy in the waves with a bunch of other guys, and I'm looking at him. I mean, he's got the most epic tattoos. I had, I've got no tattoos. I had tattoo jealousy, even though I don't even have tattoos, you know. And uh, these tattoos are like military tattoos. I was trying to see, is it French Foreign Legion or, you know, British paratrooper. It was one of those two because it had daggers and uh, parachutes and all this kind of thing. And those tattoos said a couple of things. One of the things they said was, don't mess with him. Because he's got a whole brotherhood behind him, right? Okay? I am one of those. Have you been sealed by the Holy Spirit? Do you have that spirit of adoption? There are so many faiths where they don't know if they're going to heaven or not. And I fear they're not. Are you going? I don't know. You know what do you do? I mean, you talk to them as you, as you share the gospel. They don't know. But there's a spirit of adoption that we live in. That we can have a confidence that we are his and he is ours. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10, one of my favorite verses says, Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor is entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. He's saying you can't, you can't even imagine, you can't even dream, you can't even conceive of the wonders and the glory that is in store for us. He says, but by the Spirit, you've got that sense. By the Spirit, you've got that anticipation. And you know what? It's a game changer. Because this life is not the fullness. It's not YOLO. It's not you only live once, right? There is so much more. This life is, is just an audition. This life is just an introduction. So, so we change our stance. We don't fear death and we're not trying to accumulate things for ourselves, experiences or finances or reputation. We are living for Jesus with, with the expectation, with the anticipation that God has got so much more for us. The Spirit has put something in our hearts and we say, there's more, there's more, there's more. You don't have to maximize your life in terms of experiences and wealth, but you maximize your life in terms of walking and knowing God. The fourth thing that he does, what the Holy Spirit does, is he transforms us. Having convicted us of our sin and, and shown us the path that it's by grace through faith and, and, and we've repented, we've turned, and we've got the spirit of adoption, he begins to work from the inside out. Now the very word repent, metanoia, means a change in mind. So it's not just 
that our life should be a series of Britney Spears, whoops, I did it again. And I'm so glad I get forgiven. Okay? That's not the way we should be living our lives. In Ezekiel, speaking of a new covenant that Jesus brings, he says, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Even Ezekiel says, I will write my law on your heart. No longer written in tablets of stone, but written on your heart. And so, as the Holy Spirit comes in us, we, we go through this process of sanctification. And literally, we become more and more Christ-like. And no longer the lust of the flesh, no longer the lust of the eyes, no longer the boastful pride of life is, has got us in bondage. But as we are taught by the Holy Spirit, it's the love, it's the joy, the peace, the patience, the gentleness, the meekness, humility and self-control. My wife said to me just recently, and I'm paraphrasing, she didn't say it exactly like this. She says, you know, you, you've really improved, she said to me. <laughs> you've really improved, you know? And she was like happy with me, you know? And I was thinking, why did I take so long? <laughs> why did I take so long to grow in my Christ-likeness, to allow the Holy Spirit to transform me? Instead of taking the slow train that I seem to have taken, Will you take the fast train to become more like Jesus? You know, when we fast, we always fast at the beginning of this year, beginning of the year as every nation. I don't know if this happens to you. You know, I love coffee, but you know, after like two, three weeks of not drinking coffee, it's like, ah, it's like, it smells a bit off. You know, my, my, my taste buds start to change. Have you ever had that? You know, when you really start eating healthily, then you have to like deliberately backslide, you know, we just, <laughs> by, by going for those, you know, for those things. And, and that's what God wants to do. He wants to transform you. He wants to sanctify you. That's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. I love what the psalmist says here. Teach me to do your will, for you, have, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. The Holy Spirit is the great Mr. Miyagi. Okay, he's the great teacher. He's the great sensei. He's the great rabbi. Will you allow him to transform you from the inside out? Or are you going to be resistant and say, no, I'm staying just the way I am. He wants to transform us and to, and to change us. Fifthly, the Holy Spirit takes us on an epic journey of walking out our primary and our secondary calling. So our primary calling, Os Guinness talks about this, we've all got the same primary calling. We are called to God. We're called to love God. We're called to worship God. And we are called to love our neighbor. Called to worship God and we're called to witness and, and to be kind and to show love and touch people. That's our primary calling. But our secondary calling is unique. And maybe it's callings because there's multiple things that we meant to do. But what is so interesting is all the examples of people who are outstanding in fulfilling their secondary calling were led and filled with the Holy Spirit. So here is the first mention of someone in whom the Spirit of God is upon. And you know the principle of first mention. You know, if it's there, you need to take notice of it. So it's Joseph. Joseph who's been through hard times. Joseph who's been betrayed. Joseph who's been put in jail. Joseph who's been forgotten by those he's been good to. And then finally Joseph stands before Pharaoh and interprets a dream and he tells Pharaoh what he needs to do and appoint people and save up the grain and you know, prepare 
Seven good years and seven bad years. And then Pharaoh says, what should we do? He says, appoint somebody. And then Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the Spirit of God. Having the Holy Spirit as our teacher should make us head and shoulders above the rest. Okay? Having the Holy Spirit upon you as your teacher should cause you to excel in life, in marriage, in parenting, in the business sphere. It should cause you to be outstanding. There's a book that, short book, I really, it, it impacted me years ago. It's, it's called What If Jesus Was Never Born? And it looks at the impact of people who followed the Holy Spirit, who loved God, the impact of them on society. And it looks at everything from um, healthcare to education to science. And he talks about Christians who founded entire branches of science. I'm just going to mention a few of them to you. So these were people who the Spirit of God was upon, and God taught them and gave them creativity and caused them to excel. So antiseptic surgery, Lister, bacteriology, Pasteur, calculus, Newton, chemistry, Boyle, electronics, Fleming, electromagnetics, Faraday, energetics, Kelvin, gynecology, Simpson, gas dynamics, Boyle. As the Holy Spirit is our teacher, he causes us to be outstanding. And, and in Proverbs 8 verse 12, I think it's in the King James Version, it talks about uh, wisdom is, um, what's, what's the word? Wisdom and the Holy Spirit are, are compared to one another. And it says he causes us to find out the knowledge of witty inventions. I don't know what, what you're facing. The Holy Spirit is personified as wisdom. I don't know what you're facing, but you know God wants to give you a creativity. He wants to teach you. He wants to cause you to be outstanding in the arts. He wants to cause you to be outstanding in business, whatever it might be. Another example in the secondary calling is Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. It says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of crafts. Now, I thank God for the Holy Spirit as he moves upon us, as he fills us, as he gives us the gift of tongues and baptizes us, and what happens in church. I thank God for all of that, and I say more. But I also want to say to you, Monday through to Friday, the Holy Spirit is meant to be upon you. The Holy Spirit is meant to be upon you, speaking to you, aiding you, assisting um, I came into so-called full-time ministry when I was 40. Before that, God would speak to me in the shower, do this, don't do that, watch out for this. And he would lead and prosper in the business that I was doing with, with a number of other guys. And so the Holy Spirit was teaching me, will you press into the Holy Spirit as teacher to cause you to be outstanding in every sphere? Last thing that we are taught for, and then I'll talk about one downside, is we are taught, trained for discipleship and evangelism. When they bring you before the synagogues, when they bring you before the people who are accusing you, when you stand before people that you're afraid of, the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. In this running crew, uh, I've shared the gospel, prayed, 
God's moved. Some people have come to church. Some, got, some have got saved and are in our church now. But I recently felt like the Holy Spirit say, up the temperature. So I sent a WhatsApp to seven of them. And they're all unchurched, dechurched, unchristian. And uh, typed out the message. And first I said, uh, would you join me? I want to do a, a thing on resilience. And I thought, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just folding here. I don't want to teach him about resilience. What do I know about resilience? So I said, no. Uh, do you want to do a Bible study on knowing God? You know? So like direct. So of the seven that I sent, two of them sent like these messages. Hey, Roger, not my thing, but like we're still good. Like I like you. you know? so, so two said no. Okay, so there's five left. Other five said yes. Of the five, one like faded out. He made one session. The other four came. And... Um, and it was awesome, and it was wonderful. And I was more nervous talking to these four people, I don't know why, than, than I was standing before a thousand people and preaching. I, I don't know why. Maybe it was because I just recognized the gravity of it. And maybe because it was just like one shot to, to, to their hearts. And we did three sessions, and all the classic arguments came up, you know? Everything. I mean, transgender, Bible, what about, you know? These people have never heard. All of them came up. And uh, I was like sweating. And even though I'd been running, I was sweating. But God gave me the words. God gave me the words. Don't you want to put yourself in a place of, of vulnerability, but a place of faith, where the Holy Spirit can speak to you and teach you and take you forward? You know, the, the opposite and I think I learned this, this word from, might have been Loreco. Um, the opposite is that, that might have been Johnny even, that Jesus becomes your side dish. You know what a side dish is? Okay. So, so, how would you like to be in a relationship with somebody and they never tell anybody about you? They don't tell their friends. They don't tell their family. You're just the side dish, right? Do you speak about Jesus? Do you tell of his goodness? When people say, how was your weekend? Hey, I went to church and God moved. You know? Went to connect last night. It's praying and God helped me. Or do you shut those things out because, because Jesus is your side dish? Because he's just on the side and, and you're afraid to talk about him. Can we rise up allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon us? to teach us and to train us. Johnny, I so appreciated what you shared because one of the scriptures that's been burning in my heart is he trains our hands for war. He trains us for all these moments, all these situations. He equips us. He trains us. He teaches us for the moments. Now there's one downside or downside that we must watch. Things that you don't want to do. And that is you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit and you don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a person. And your response to him, him reaching out to you, convicting you of your sin, him wanting to sanctify you, transform you, him giving you opportunities in business, him giving you opportunities to witness and you go like, no, no, no. It becomes grievous. Or, you quench the Spirit. The Spirit is moving. The Spirit is moving your connect group, praying, and you just throw in down words and, and negativity, and you just quench the Holy Spirit in an environment or, or in your own life. 
To study what the unpardonable sin is probably requires a couple of sermons. But what Scripture describes as the unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And the short version of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is when you constantly resist the Holy Spirit. You constantly say no to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit speaks to you, calls you to repent, and what do you go? No, I'm not going to, I'll repent next week. And so you say no, and you say no, and you say no. And you just harden and harden and harden your heart. The truth is we have got a finite number of opportunities to respond to God. We think it's infinite. You think, you know, next week, next week, eventually there's no more next weeks because you've changed. You're no longer that person. I urge you, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the greatest teacher. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And don't quench the Holy Spirit. As we head for conclusion, will you do this tonight? Will you welcome the Holy Spirit in those areas of your life where you know you have resisted, said no, not been open to his dealings, to his teaching, to his instructing, to his instruction? Can we pray together? Won't you have a moment with God? Won't you bring your heart before him? And won't you say again, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, speak again. Be it in the area of change, be it in the area of transformation, be it in the area of sin, Be it in the area of that spirit of adoption that you know that you are his. Maybe you've been broken and hurt. And be it in the area of your calling. That you've been doing this outside of his instruction. Or be it in the area of sharing the gospel. Speaking of the one who has loved you. welcome the Holy Spirit again. The Spirit seeks out the deep things of God and, and the Spirit wants to take you deeper. Wants to take me deeper. It's the glory of kings to search out a matter. It's our glory to press into the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that since Acts chapter 2, we live in this dispensation of the last days. You are pouring out your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would not be charismatics in name only. But Lord, we would live and walk and move with the Holy Spirit. That there'd be that X factor in our lives that people can't explain. 
because Holy Spirit, you have come in. And the fruit of the Spirit is evident and the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. And we are excelling. Excelling in our secondary calling and excelling in our primary calling, speaking of you. Just while every head is bowed, I want to give you an opportunity. If, if you know that you're far from God, your life is not right, maybe you've never surrendered, or you've, you've gone your own way, you've turned, and you find yourself far from Him. You find yourself literally with the pigs, and you want to come home. He doesn't reject you. He convicts you because he loves you. But the Father comes running towards you as, as you turn. So you don't, you don't clean up your act before you come to him. But you come to him with humility and he receives you. So if that's you tonight and your heart is beating, <laughs> racing, and you know it's you, you need to make right with God. You need to receive forgiveness. I want to pray for you. The Bible says that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. So this isn't just a private matter. You need to be added to Jesus and there's community as well. So if that's you, why don't you just lift up your hand I'm going to pray for you. Is there anybody here? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move across this place. Church, can we stand to our feet? Just lift up your hands. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you as our teacher. Come upon us in fresh measure. Lord, train us in righteousness. Train our hands for war, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Sanctify us. Take us forward. We pray that our lives might glorify you, might honor you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, as our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much.